though. Hey, friends, i am already been blessed. Like, who, who here has already been blessed this morning? Please say yes. This is where, like, we fully engage. We go all the way. God is good. We are grateful to gather and worship. And my goodness, what a big day we've already had and so much more to come. We are in our help me God, or no, God help me, biblical help for mental health. May is mental health. Health Awareness Month, and we as the church want to unabashedly support that movement to say our God cares about our souls. Yes, we have the invitation to salvation. We know that the church and Christians care about bodies. We're always praying for physical healing, visiting the sick, uh, things like that. And we, because we embrace the whole person, we are praying for, working for, preaching for this month, mental health and wellness. To that end, let me read for you one of my favorite passages from Philippians chapter 4. We're just going to jump right in because, again, it's already a full day, a full service. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. All right, you are with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say it again. Rejoice. That's how much we are called to rejoice. We say it. We say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Oh, can't wait to preach on that in a moment. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You gotta hear this part too. We could end there, but listen to this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is praiseworthy, what, oh, sorry, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard, learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into Practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you and amen. What an exciting time to graduate. Really, isn't it an exciting, awesome time to graduate? Oh my goodness, you're so young, you're so smart, you're so pretty, you all look so good, oh, you're, you're dressed so nice, uh, you have your whole world ahead of you, you, and you're just getting started. I mean, I know you think you know it all. I know you think, oh, I've lived 18 full years or 22 full years. I know you think, but... Honestly, older people, they're just getting started, amen? Like, and that's the joy of it, that's the fun of it. Like, you are just getting started. You have so many awesome things ahead. You have so many wonderful things in life, in store for you. I am so grateful for the life God has given me, and I'm so excited about the life that God has planned and has in store for all of you. Truly, the Lord is good. If only, if only... Oh my goodness, if only uh, I heard student debt is at an all-time high. Oh, geez. I mean, life is good, but who's here underneath a mountain of student debt? And, and inflation, I heard inflation is up uh, 
the most it's been in 40 years. Is that right? Is inflation up the most it is in 40 years? And if you want to live here in Colorado, oh my goodness, good luck. How are you ever going to find a place to live here in Colorado? And I just read too that the pandemic is exploding still in other parts uh, of, of the world. And there's of course war raging in uh, the Ukraine uh, with Russia. And we're praying about that. Oh, I'm, I'm already feeling it in my chest. I'm already feeling the anxiety. I'm playing a little bit here, but I'm so anxious. I I was, I was tasked with preaching a message about anxiety and worry this week. And you know what? I worried about it all week long. I was anxious about it all week long. What am I gonna say about anxiety and worry that has not already been said? What am I gonna say that's actually gonna be helpful and instructive to the people of God? And so I worried about it. And I worried, oh, if people have come and, and, and they've heard me before, uh, you know, I have, to, I, I have to deliver as their pastor. And if anybody's visiting, I mean, if I don't preach the best sermon ever, uh, they're never gonna come back. And, and then the fault is gonna be on me. And we can get in these downward spirals of worry and anxiety that can actually quite literally trap our thoughts, trap our minds. They begin to like compress in on our bodies uh, and we just feel the anxiety, the anxiety overwhelms us. I was actually talking with, with Eden about this, who, who was taking some of her HESI exams. I'm getting that right for nursing. And I know, very nerve wracking. I don't think actually, I'm not saying this in like a look at me or anything. I, I praise be to the Lord. I don't think I've had an actual official panic attack ever, but I know I was really close in seminary. Of all places where somebody should trust God and experience joy in life in the Lord, I remember Eden was, had just been born. She's only a few months old. The reason she's so smart is she went to Greek and Hebrew classes with me. Literally, I have her like learning Greek and Hebrew with me. It's awesome. And I had to go and take a Greek um, proficiency exam to move on to my exegesis classes. And if I didn't go on to the exegesis classes, my whole timeline for life was gonna be thrown off. And oh, if my timeline for my life was gonna be thrown off, it would be the end of the world, right? Because everything has to work out exactly the way we planned it. And if it doesn't, where's God in the midst of that? So I remember going into that Greek proficiency exam and I was starting to feel it. I was, I was starting to feel my pulse go up. The be, I'm not like a sweater. I'm not, I always want to, I kind of want to be like the, the pastor who preaches and has to like pat his head and get all sweaty with the handkerchief. Maybe I'll just pretend to do it sometimes. But, but I was like starting to sweat and get nervous. And I just remember actually I had to excuse myself. Like right before it started, I went out. I remember like going into the bathroom and being like, George, you got this. God, you know, like I, I, I just remember the pressure just telling you young people, I remember the pressure that you're under in high school. I remember the pressure that you're under in college. I remember the pressure that you're under looking for a new job. I remember the pressure that you're under carrying out your job. I, do we all know that pressure? Do we all know that anxiety? Has anybody else ever had to take a moment where you had to excuse yourself from the room and just go and get a grip? <laughs> and I know some people, for whatever reason, the way that they're wired, call them sensitive souls, and that's a beautiful thing. But wow, I know some people that they really, physically, physiologically, they can feel that anxiety. They can feel that sense of overwhelm. They begin to feel and sense that crushing weight of the world coming down on them. 
Anxiety is the number one mental illness disorder that Americans experience. And guess what? We are number one. America is number one in the most anxious people group and nation in the world, self-reported. I mean, who knows the stats, but I think that's pretty accurate because it seems that I'm surrounded by people that I know, that I love, that I care for, who yet seem to be overwhelmed, overcome, and are struggling with a sense of anxiety. Am I preaching to anybody yet? I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to somebody you know and somebody you love, somebody who's struggling right now, somebody who couldn't be here because it was too hard to get out of bed this morning and to come into a crowd and to do one more thing. It's even more prevalent than depression. That actually surprised me because we hear so much about depression these days. Wonderfully, we're open about it. We're talking about it. We're engaging with these things. But what I found out because I spent a lot of time like diving into the research, and again, I'm just a preacher. I'm not a pro, but they actually talked about how depression isn't always bundled with anxiety, thank goodness, but very often, more often anxiety than gets bundled with depression. And so we get that overwhelm. We get that sense of being overcome. Then we feel less than, then we feel inadequate. Then we feel not up for it. Then we feel everybody else has everything all together. Because if we look at their social media posts and their social media life, my goodness, I have the best meals. I wear the best sneakers. I have the best vacations. My wife is smoking hot. My kids are amazing. Preachers always talk about that. Hey, when preachers always talking about that, but we create this online image and then we see that in others. Sometimes we actually believe it then. Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy thing about it, right? Like we actually believe others are living those lives that are anxiety free, nothing but cupcakes and sprinkles, no pressures, no worries, no nothing, no problems. We actually believe it. And then we feel even more less than. It's awful. The overwhelm, the anxiety can be so crushing. It is into this situation that we hear these words from Paul. Let me start breaking it down here for us because I got a lot I can say and a lot that I want to say. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We read a statement like this in scripture, and there's that tendency for us to say, really, Paul, really? Do not be anxious about anything. Paul, what do you know about my struggles? What do you know about my worries? What do you know about my life? Well, maybe we should just take a moment to remember the kind of Paul life that Paul was living. While Paul wrote these words for us, to encourage us, to inspire us, to guide and direct our lives, where is he? This is one of his prison letters. He is sitting in jail, awaiting his execution. And he tells us, don't be anxious about anything. Is this guy ignorant or inspired? <laughs> this is also the guy who talks about being betrayed, being beaten, being whipped, being stoned, being shipwrecked once, shipwrecked twice, shipwrecked a third time, being robbed, being left naked, being left to die, going without food, going without water, going without shelter. 
He's being persecuted from within and persecuted from without. If anybody can say they have a reason to be anxious about things going on in their life, I think the apostle Paul qualifies to say, (laughs) I know, I know, I know what you're going through. But more so what we're about to discover is it's not just that Paul knows and that Paul can relate. And in the midst of his anxious circumstances that he can say, don't be anxious about anything. Jesus knows, God knows, God knows what we're going through. But before we jump into that, let's just break down a little bit of what Paul says. What's the first thing he says that leads into that invitation? He says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, just take a moment to think about that word, rejoice. You need to re-up on your joy. You need to level up, I think the kids say these days. Level up on the joy. It's time to just think about what do I have to be joyful for? And I need to remind, rehearse, rejoice. Who here can just think of a great memory, something from the past, and it brings a smile to your face? Maybe think about your last birthday celebration or a note that you got of encouragement or a meal that you had uh, or being out on the boat yesterday with my kids, which is awesome and a great invitation. Rejoice, remember those things that we have reason to experience joy for and we receive joy from. And of course, most of all, he wants to point us to the rejoicing that we have and knowing our salvation is secure through Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. We have reason to keep repeating these joys that remind us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But I love it what it says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be the evidence that the Lord is near. If you heard about the uh, expression being a non anxious presence. You've all known this. We've all experienced this. You you can be in a meeting, you can be in a room, and the temperature, the atmosphere can change in a moment when an anxious, when a nervous person, when an uptight person enters. It's like, it's like the, it's like a movie, like the, like the, like the soundtrack of the room changes, you know, from everything in a major key to like a minor key. And you're like, what just happened here? He's saying, let your gentleness be evidence to all. When you come into the room and you come in with that rejoicing, gentle presence, this is the evidence that God is near. I'm always finding reasons to talk about, you know, teaching uh, rock climbing classes to little kids at the Ridge. But it's really, uh, it's something you can see so plainly, so clearly, so evidently in kids. A lot of parents want to bring their kids in because their kids have a fear of heights. And I'm like, great. All right. This is wonderful. We're going to have a lot of fun teaching this kid who is afraid of heights, how to rock climb. I get it. I get the idea, but they bring these kids in and like, oh, you're going to try rock climbing. And the kids are scared. Some of them are like scared, yelling, freaking out. A lot of them though, they just get that like hyper stiff, like, like super tense, I don't trust you. I don't trust being high. I don't like what's about to happen in my life. Like you can just see, like they just start to get rigid. They start to, you know, and I've just learned over the years, just uh, speaking gently, putting a hand on their shoulder, telling them, I've been doing this for like 50 years. You're 50 years old. Yeah, I've been right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I've been doing this forever. 
it's, you're going to have fun. And you can actually start to see the, the, the gentleness starts to wash you. Not always. I mean, it's not like a miracle every time. But very often, you can let your gentleness be the evidence that it's going to be okay. In fact, it can be more than can be okay. It can be fun. Let your gentleness be evidence all. But this is what Paul wants us to know. I want your gentleness to be the evidence that the Lord is near. Now, two things about this. One, he's saying, I want your gentleness. I want your conduct. I want your presence when you enter into the room. I want that to be evidence that the Lord is near. On one sense, he was certainly speaking that he believed that in his lifetime, Jesus might come again. Now, Jesus didn't come again. Jesus hasn't come again. But what we can certainly say now with all the more assurance and confidence is that we are that much closer then to the nearness of the return of the Lord. Let your gentleness, let your atmosphere, let everything about the way you conduct yourself and guide your life be the evidence that Jesus is near. Jesus is coming back soon. And Jesus has got this. Just let that wash over you and let that wash over through. But also he's pointing us to the reality that Jesus is in us. And whenever we enter the room, Jesus is coming with us. Jesus is coming with us when we enter the room. Jesus is coming with us when we enter the meeting. Jesus is with us when we're going into the difficult conversation. Jesus is with us when we're taking the test. Jesus is with us when we're struggling through parenting. Jesus is with us when we're working through something in our marriage. Jesus is with us and with the presence of the Lord, we can have that gentleness wash over each and every one of us. And then of course he points us out to the verse that is so great here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He's inviting us to bring it all to God, to lay it all before the cross, to bring it all like Mary to the feet of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. I really like the way that Peter actually talks about this. We could say a lot about Peter and how he was handling anxiety and stress and fear and worry in his life. But he gets to the point time in his life when he's writing 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where he just gives us this beautiful invitation to cast your anxiety onto Jesus because he cares for you. I love that one. Cast your anxiety onto Jesus because he cares for you. What was Peter before he was a fisher of men? Not a trick question. Fisher of fish, right? Remember there's a, we preach about that, the whole story, the fisher of men, the fisher of fish to the fisher of men, to the fisher of fish for a little bit. And then Jesus says, no, you're a fisher of men. Time to get back to the call. Time to get back to the mission. You're a fisher of men. Now, he knows a thing or two about casting, doesn't he? Spent a lot of his life casting that net out. I'm a horrible fisherman. I'm always saying I'm like the worst fisherman ever. I'm good at a lot of things, but something, I don't know, I can't fish for the life of me. I remember my brother was going to take me out fishing. We were uh, doing something down at the Florida, and he wanted to catch fish to catch bigger fish. So he had this net, and we were going to go out, and we were going to catch these little fish and then use the little fish to catch the big fish. And I'm like, sure, whatever. But he had this net thing, and he's getting the net, getting it. And, and I thought, oh, this is going to be super easy because I just always, 
always see those little fish darting around the shore. You know, you ever see that? You ever try and step on them, get them stuck in between your toes and stuff like that? I think, oh, this is gonna be super easy. So I just get that big net that he has and you do that thing and you throw out and then you haul it back in and there was nothing in there. And I do it again. And, and finally, I think I did it and I had like two fish, like two minnows like in this thing to catch the fish, to catch the fish, to catch the, I don't know, it was a weird thing that he had me doing. But I just remember how, much work it was to cast that net to try and catch those fish. It's not easy. Cast your anxiety onto him. He's not saying it's easy, but he's making the invitation to do it. Do it. Take some time to actually take hold of the things that are bringing you fear, that are bringing you worry, that are bringing you anxiety, take the time to get those things and cast them to the feet of Jesus. And if they come swimming back to you, cast it to Jesus again. And if they come swimming back to you, cast it. casting is hard work, but the invitation is to cast those fears and keep casting them to the feet of Jesus till we know he's got it. They call it fear setting. I learned that this week. I learned a great fancy word. I can go into counseling now. They talked about fear setting, which I know that we've done it before. I know, I should say, I know that I've done it before. I know that the scripture kind of invites us to do this. It invites us to, so this is what fear setting, what it was saying to do. It said, if you're really worried about something, instead of just trying to ignore it or go around it or push it under the carpet, dig into it. Just take some time to dig into it. What is it that really worries you about graduating? What is it that really worries you about this pandemic? What is it that really worries you about politics? What is it that really worries you about your health? What is it that really worries you in your life? What is it that really has a hold of it? Take the time to get a grasp on it. And then you'll start to see as you unpack it, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe like Mark Twain who said something like, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my life worrying about things that never amounted to anything, right? That's that joy of fear setting is that when we really dig into the things that can bring us anxiety, we have an awareness that comes on us that says, you know what, when I really think about it, the worst case scenario rarely plays out. No, sometimes it does. We don't have to be ignorant of those hard things that we go through. But how often do we waste time anxious and worrying about things that never amount to anything? I think this is the invitation to say by in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition. And then with thanksgiving, he says, because then the reality is, oh, thank goodness, Jesus. Thank you, God, that so often things that I've worried about actually haven't played out in the worst. So many things that I've worried about really haven't been that bad. Again, it might, again, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the bad things, but if we're honest, a lot of the things that we do spend a lot of time and energy dwelling on don't amount to tragedy and destruction in our lives. And so we can thank God for that. So there's an invitation, just take the time to thank God for all the good things that come into our life. And then he says, and then the end, now we're back to Philippians here. He says, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. The peace of God, which transcends. How does something transcend? I've said this before, I know. How does something transcend? That means that it rises above, right? So again, we get to that place where we're not ignorant of, we're not in denial of, we're not sticking our heads in the sand anymore about hard things, about difficult things, about stressful things, about anxiety-inducing things. But then we can, with the help of God, 
transcend, rise above, get over it. Maybe like Jesus is about to invite us to do, oh, get a bird's eye view of the situation. Get that bird's eye view, that God's perspective view, and experience a peace that can pass all understanding. Because that's what Jesus does for us in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is inviting us to break the anxiety habit. That's another thing I learned this week. I listened to too many podcasts this week, by the way, because I discovered when I typed into my little phone there and I said, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just listen to some podcasts and some sermons on anxiety. There's not episodes on anxiety. There's entire podcasts devoted to trying to help people get rid of and deal with their anxiety. I was overwhelmed. I was anxious about how many podcasts there were on anxiety. I didn't know where to start. But I did listen to one that kind of captured my attention. It just talked about anxiety is a habit in that we get in a pattern of getting anxious about things. We kind of have this. It talked about a, a trigger, uh, a behavior, and a reward. And I won't spend too much time on this because you can listen to the podcast yourselves, but I found it very insightful and quite helpful. Yeah, there are certain things that are just going to trigger anxious feelings, trigger anxious thoughts. We're going to look at our portfolio after last Friday, and we are going to get triggered with anxiety if we were planning to take money out this past week. I mean, we can just get triggered with something. And then we have this behavior. And what this podcast said is actually the behavior is the worry. The anxious condition, the anxious-inducing episode, the thing that could genuinely create anxiety in your life, your response is to worry about it. You start mulling it over. You start ruminating on it. You start just dwelling on that anxiety. And then the reward is you think you've done something. You trick yourself into thinking you've done something about the anxiety incident by spending time worrying about it. But what Jesus is inviting us to do then in the Sermon on the Mount is to rise above that situation, to rewire that habit, to rewire that pattern. Jesus gives us that invitation on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I'm just going to keep reading it. If it's, it's okay, it won't be on the screens. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how, the, how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness for all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus commands us then to break that anxiety habit, to break that anxiety loop. Do not worry. But here's the thing. Again, like Paul, like Peter, I think the reality that I had to reflect on this week is, is that just some kind of cruel command? Do not be anxious about anything. 
Cast your anxieties onto him. Jesus, do not worry. Is that some just kind of a cruel command? Or is that an awesome invitation? What do you think? Right now, <laughs> what do you think? Is this a cruel command of Jesus? Is Jesus in the habit of getting us cruel, nonsensical, legalistic commands to simply make us more rigid and more religious and more self-righteous? Is Jesus in the habit of giving us those kind of commands and directing us to that kind of life? I, that's, that's where you, that preacher wants a how, uh, amen, no, <laughs> no. No, Jesus is quite in the habit of offering us life-giving, life-transforming, mind-changing, radical new truths to set us free and to help us live into the abundance of life that he is calling us for. He is not telling us to not worry about anything as a cruel command, but as one of the most beautiful invitations that could ever be given to anybody who is currently struggling really struggling. And I know the struggle is real. I know the struggle again with worry, with anxiety, with these fears, with this overwhelm is real. Jesus is offering us this beautiful invitation. Let me direct you to a radically different way of seeing your life. See your life as so much more valuable than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field because your father knows, your father knows. So, I've heard it put this way. So is worry a sin? Is anxiety a sin? I'm going to say yes, but. Okay, so like you got to stick with me on this one. Is anxiety a sin? Absolutely. Anxiety and worry is a sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is engaging in practices that don't glorify God or bless others or bless our lives. Sin, in its most rudimentary understanding, going back to the etymology of words, sin was originally an archery term. I've said this before, I'll say it many times again, and it was about missing the mark. Whenever you sin, you are missing the bullseye, you're missing the mark. When Jesus, when I say worry is a sin, all I am telling you is that it's missing the mark. What Jesus is telling us is if your life is consumed with anxiety and worry and fear, guess what? Not to be cruel, not to be mean. I'm not throwing it at your face. I'm just telling you, you're missing the mark. You're missing the mark of the life that I want for you. You're missing the mark of the life that I designed for you. You're missing the mark of a life guided by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You're missing the mark of the life that I want for you. I want for you a life not marked by anxiety. I want for you a life marked by faith and trust in me. So I'm not telling you this is a cruel command. I'm telling you this is my awesome invitation. You don't have to miss the mark anymore with me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow my footsteps. Allow me to guide your life, and I will guide you to the mark of the life that is meant for you. 
How's that sound? Does that sound like a cruel command anymore? Thank you, thank you. It's not, and, and I just, I really want to drive that point home with a little bit of time I have left, that the invitation for us, do not worry, is not a cruel command, but it's this, see it as this beautiful invitation where God, Jesus is saying, I'm going to now direct you to the life that you were always made for, meant for, intended for, we talk about it often. We talk about that shalom in the garden, that beautiful, sin-free, perfect life. Jesus is lovingly guiding and directing us to that life free from those worries and anxieties that can overwhelm us. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. They don't worry. They don't stress. They don't fret. Don't worry about your, you th- you just spend some time meditating on this passage. I mean, it just, it does, it's certainly striking to me at least that people are worried about food and worried about clothing. And again, going back to social media, it would appear that we're still worried about food and we're still worried about clothing. We're still posting all these pictures of meals that we have and the latest fashions that we're trying to show off. Human nature apparently hasn't changed a whole lot, which is why these words from Jesus mean all the more. He gives us that final resolution, that final invitation. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Your father knows. Your father knows all that you need. And your father cares about providing for all the needs in our life. Jesus knows about all of our needs. And Jesus knows what it's like to go through a life that can be filled with fear and anxiety and worry. He wrestled with it in the garden before the night of his betrayal. But thanks be to God, what we know is that he has overcome. And so we know that whenever we feel betrayed, Jesus has overcome. When we feel denied, Jesus has overcome. When we feel beaten down, Jesus has overcome. When we feel crucified. And I don't say that irreligiously or sacrilegiously. When we feel as if like we are just bearing this cross, we know that Jesus has overcome. When we feel that our lives too are in that grave, we know that Jesus has overcome. And so the beautiful invitation here, and I'll invite Kendall to come up and get ready to lead us in a little bit of worship. Because what I want to really do is direct our worship towards God. I said it in a a message I preached this past summer. Uh, This is what struck me. I'm gonna go off the cuff here for just a moment in my last few minutes. Uh, It struck me that last summer, whenever we were doing our Words to Live By series, my daughter was home for a bit of her break from YWAM from Hawaii. And I said, I'd love to give you the opportunity to share a bit of a testimony about YWAM and, and, and share a verse and share what your favorite passages or a currently meaningful passage in your life. And she picked that passage from Jesus, which I thought, oh, that's a great one to preach on. I can have a lot of fun with that. Do not worry. But then it kind of dawned on me. Oh my goodness. My 19 year old daughter's favorite passage from the Bible right now in her life is do not worry. My beautiful 19-year-old daughter's life had the potential to be so gripped with worry and anxiety and fear that this was and remains to be one of her favorite passages. Trying to come around full circle graduates, we know. I don't say that in the like, uh, like I'm better than you kind of a way. I say that like, we know. We know what it's like to look at the rest of your life 
and on one level to be really excited about it, but on the other level to be really nervous about it and really anxious about what's all in store. We know. It's why we love you. It's why we care for you. It's why we're trying to support you. We know, but more, God knows. God knows. And as simple and as simplistic as bumper sticker Christianity as it might sound right now, God knows and God's Godness. Your Father knows. Jesus knows. Jesus is overcome. And he's saying, what I want you to do each and every day, literally do this each and every day, just decide, I'm gonna take some time, I'm gonna go through this devotion, I'm gonna go through the work of seeking first his kingdom. Let's just get my eyes off myself and my future and my worries and all these things, my food, my clothes, my social media account, and my grades. Let's just take some time and seek first ourselves of his grace, his peace, his peace that passes all understanding offered for us. That is the solution to the anxiety habit, to the worry downward spiral loop that can capture us all. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it happens overnight. I'm not saying you won't have to rehearse it over and over and over again, but I'm saying there is a way each and every day to seek first his kingdom his righteousness and then I have the faith and the trust that all these things all the things that we need will be taken care of by our Father. Let me pray for us friends and we're going to worship our God. Heavenly Father, I huh, I, I am grateful for the opportunity uh, to address the reality that plagues so many lives but more so I'm grateful that your word hits this area this issue head on, that your word reveals for us a way out of this anxiety habit, this uh, worry, downward spiral, this fear that can uh, kind of take hold of us all. I thank you that you see us. I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you invite us to cast our burdens onto you. I thank you that is much as we see the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and their beauty, and we see you and reflect in creation that we can say not uh, in, uh, you know, not in a way that's uh, kind of creates an audacity, uh, but, but just says, God, and yet, yet you care more for us. You care more for us, your image bearers. You care more for me, a child of yours. And so, pray for every man and woman and young person here to receive and live into the invitation. We just cast every worry, we cast every anxiety, we cast every fear at your feet. And we choose now to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust that all what we need will be provided for in your good time. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Let's worship. Amen.